I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be... Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Pillars of Franchising. Hope you're all having a great week out there. Today is the infamous Friday Eve and we've got a great show for you today. We're going to be joined by Christina Vance uh, and talk about some franchise business with her from, um, I'm sorry, let me make sure I get this, from Rise Collective Wellness. Sorry, I wanted to forget the word Rise. And speaking of Rise, Karen, what's <laughs> rising in the news this week? <laughs> Love it. Great segue there. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I was taking a look at um, Piper Sammer. They re- recently released their semi-annual survey, and it's called Taking Stock with Teeth. Okay. And you know, we're always interested, right, in what's ahead, and and, yeah. and especially with with uh, Gen Z and Gen Alpha, you know, what are some of those trends? What you know, they're they're restaurants need to really prepare for the kind of business and how people are spending that their money, that spending power, because we all know, you know, what they spend on now, that's going to lead to brand loyalty in the future. Oh yeah, this is kind of like when um, was it Taco Bell that did that that thing for the tacos and all kinds of different incentives to get people engaged in their brands, right? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So what's going on on the teen scene? Well, it's interesting. There's um, several things that were very interesting to me. First of all, raising canes, and that's you oh. know that's a franchise that that's really gaining in popularity. I think in general, and, yeah. and, and you know, and ha- having some real traction. But it's really gaining traction with the um, you know with the teens. They kind of broke into the top five. And when really? it talks about, pardon me. I said, really? That's yeah. interesting because they're not, they're not the cheapest game in town, no. right? And no. really, they're all fried chickens. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But one of the reasons they gave that, that it could be is because they partnered with Post Malone. For those of you who don't know Post Malone, right, they're a, a I guess like a, a rock, not a rock band or, you know, whatever you want to call, musical band. And they're uh-huh. very popular. They've won all these awards and everything. And so just by, they're pretty cool. And they're pretty cool by, I think, uh, you know, kind of really connecting with them. So uh-huh. they think that that's really raised the awareness okay. uh, with their brand. So that's that's one thing that I found interesting. Um, uh-huh. Chick-fil-A, it seems like it's always number one, which doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah, Chick-fil-A is number one. And then a couple other things that I found interesting. Um, okay, McDonald's. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times I think of McDonald's as this kind of like tried and true brand. I think of it for like maybe the the kids with the Happy Meals and adults. Yeah. Yet with teens right now, it's really gaining more traction. I think it gained three percent from the last survey. And a oh. lot of the reasons is because McDonald's has really been focused on the digital business. Yep. And you know, if you think about teens with their phones, I mean, they've I don't think they've ever lived life without a phone, without a mobile phone. Yeah, that's true. I mean, even my youngest, who is 15, he started playing on my phone when he was two, right? Because right. it's the quick, easy fix or settling these guys down. That's really interesting. You know, the other thing that I noticed with McDonald's is not that long ago, they had meals that were named after these 
pop stars or whatever, right? So it, that, that, again, like you said, makes the connection. So I guess the question that I have is, where does Taylor Swift go next? I'm, I'm right there with you. So. I mean, <laughs> if, I guess if I were like a smoothie brand or like a healthy brand, I'd be all over that. Oh, I would too. I mean, because everything she touches, right, has yeah. just crazy growth and yeah, recognition. We could have the Swifty smoothie or something, right? We could, definitely, definitely. So, but yeah. I, well, I love, go ahead. Well, when we were talking about this, I had mentioned to you the, the crazy thing that, that this does for a lot of these businesses is, be, like, with my kids, I'll say, hey, what do you guys want to have for dinner? And they're like, oh, we already ordered DoorDash. I'm like, you ordered DoorDash? Like, they're just, they get their brands. Chipotle happens to be a house favorite. And so the next thing I know, I've got a delivery of Chipotle. It cost me $30. Yeah. For two burritos and delivery. And I'm like, $30 burritos, really? But it's their accessibility to the brand and having that delivery service if they can't drive to bring it right to them. It's crazy. Our our middle school actually had to say that they will no longer accept deliveries from like DoorDash and all the different restaurants because they were getting inundated at lunchtime with kids ordering something other than, you know, brown bag lunches and uh, cafeteria food. I could just so, think about how crazy that is. To, to me, that to, it's, I didn't even think about that, Kristen, but you're yeah. right. And so, yeah. yeah. And I think it's going to continue, obviously. And then because yeah. if you think about it, if this is how they're ordering food, this is how it's going to continue. This is going to be a trend yeah. that's going to continue. So then as a franchisee and even someone looking at franchising, it'd be taking a look at the brands and how they're becoming more, not only relevant with teens, but right. then how are they kind of moving more into a digital business? How are they marketing? You yeah. know, some of the really cool marketers, you know, they're going over to like TikTok and doing some oh, yeah. other things. So a Snapchat. lot of people are really trying to figure that out. Yeah. 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 A, a lot of those platforms are platforms that I know of because I see them on my kids' phones, but I don't know how to get on them. Like Snapchat, they they live there, but I can't get on them. So it's a good thing that somebody's figured out how to reach them. Maybe they can share parenting tips next. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> No well, kidding. that's awesome, Karen. It's very exciting. I mean, really, it's, it's good to see that these uh, restaurant establishments and some other, you know, retailers as well are finding new ways to reach out to the younger people. Hopefully, they can do that to attract them um, in terms of talent for working at these places as well. I mean, what a totally great way to build them in. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. Well, we have a great show today. So as soon as we're ready, let's choose us up, and we'll get started with Christina Vance. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or Westvine with a Y dot com. And welcome back. We have the great pleasure of speaking to Christina Vance today. 
She's the CEO of Rise Collective Wellness. Hi, Christina. Hi, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Oh, we're so glad you could take time out of your busy schedule and talk to us. I'll do my best. <laughs> we'll see if a dog or a child interrupts us, but I've warned them all. We'll see. <laughs> well, that's good to know. So you're a mom, a dog mom, and a business owner. Yeah, yeah. We got a lot, like like a lot of us, we have a lot of different balls up in the air. We do our best to not drop them, and sometimes they do anyway. But yeah. you know, <laughs> it, you just pick them back up and keep on going, right? Yeah. Yes. So tell us a little bit about you and uh, your journey in and through franchising and what you're doing today. Sure. Yeah. So um, my background is in marketing and sales, but when I was 16 years old, I was I was a longtime dancer and I had uh, just started to explore some group fitness classes at Valley's Total Fitness in the Midwest back in the 90s, and I learned how to teach step and high-low aerobics, and so during high school, college, in my professional career always, I was in and out of teaching group fitness classes in some capacity. You know, there were some times where I was out of it, but there was usually something happening in the background just because that's always been a a steady part of my life. Um, When my husband and I got married and started to have a family, I was traveling uh, several nights a week for a few years after we had our first child and I loved my job and I loved the travel, but it just was really challenging to not be present and not be available all the time. And as a mom, that was always conflicting. And uh, so I thought I was quitting my job. Mm -hmm. I went to my employer and I said, you know, I love this, but I just, I can't be on the road this much. They were lovely and said, wait, 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 don't, don't leave. What if you don't have to send them to childcare? And what if you only travel once a quarter? And like, what can we do to make it work? And so that was amazing. I stayed Spangler Candy Company. They make Dum Dum Lollipops and the only manufacturer of candy canes in the U.S. And they treated me wonderfully. And um, I started to teach bar class during that time when I had a little bit of spare time and I started working at a franchise just as a teacher. And yeah. I enjoyed it so much that when my husband was transferred to a different state, we made a you know cross-country move about nine years ago. We landed in the market. I felt like, okay, we got our three kids. We got it sort of buttoned down. He's from an entrepreneurial family. Yeah. They were all business owners his whole life. That was never something that was tremendously interesting to me, but that was always sort of on his mind. And what kept coming up was, well, what are we going to do? Sure. And with three kids. Yeah. Yeah. What are we gonna do? <laughs> what 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 business should we should we start? And I'm like, well, I I love this. You know, I love the women at the studio. I love being connected to a community. I like the supportive environment that happens sometimes when you get that sort of micro community of people that have just one common one common ground. They all love this practice. Um, so we decided maybe we should explore the idea of franchising with the company that I was familiar with and the practice that I love so much. So we opened our franchise in 2016 okay. and throughout the last you know seven and change years we've built a really amazing community of women that have again that sort of shared goal of trying to embrace total health together right and then about two years ago so during the pandemic like every business everywhere there were yeah. several shifts and changes and challenges that came and we really started to evaluate where are we serving our community in the way that was going to be best for our community, not the, sure. not the, you know, just the whole world of small boutique fitness, but I wanted to know how I could serve 
you know, the 150 women that were coming into my business every day. And there were just a few things that I found that we weren't serving them best. And we started to explore alternate areas. I went back to school to study nutrition so that I could address a different piece of health and wellness outside of movement. We started to talk a lot more about connection, community, faith, sleep, um, the other factors of health that I believe are much more important or create a puzzle of greater health rather than just, we got to work out, we got to work out. There's a lot more that play that plays into creating a healthy um, dynamic in your body and your mind. So with that, we started to think maybe we are not absolutely in alignment with what our franchise is able to provide us right now. Why don't we explore what it would look like to be a little bit more independent? And um, we rebranded this last March and became Rise Collective Wellness. And so we were just very excited to take this journey and, um, you know, it's the beginning of the franchisee, learning a lot during yeah. that time, and then now feeling a little bit more capable of springboarding into a direction that is just custom built for what we know our customer needs and wants. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the, before we, because I have so many questions now based on Oh, no, I lost audio. I, yeah. <laughs> I can't hear you. Can, you tell us, can you tell us a little bit about the kind of the business model? You know, as far as like just the whole, the, the, the customer, kind of the customer base and the model that you have. Yeah, so we're primarily membership based. We have other offerings, but for the most part, our students come to us looking for a movement practice and we have several modalities that we can offer them and we try to round our schedule out where they can find that. Um, most of our customers are on some type of longer term agreement, six months, 12 months, 24 months. Um, and those have varying levels, right? We have unlimited memberships. We have limited memberships. We also sell 10 packs. We offer childcare in the studio just to sort of serve the community in that different way. I do retreats uh, with our members. So we're, we're leaving next week on a retreat. We do those about twice a year. Just again, trying to facilitate connection outside of the classroom, just among the community, uh, where we spend a little bit more time diving a little bit into some of those other aspects of health that oftentimes get neglected with busy, mostly women, I mean, we're primarily women, um, and trying to cultivate a little bit more room for finding balance. Wow, that's, I mean, I can see why it's wellness, because, you know, exactly as you described, this is so much more than just a boutique gym. So when you rebranded, can you tell us a little bit about the journey that you had to go through to make that happen? I mean, we talked earlier, and you've done extremely well in keeping your customer base and keeping a successful business. Yeah, I mean, it, just just like anything, I mean, I think it, there, was, there were some pros and cons that came with the challenges of COVID for everybody. Um, so it gave us some time to really evaluate, you know, why, why are we doing this, right? Because... Uh -huh. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's everybody, but I know most folks in my shoes, um, the fitness industry in general, from a brick and mortar standpoint, took a pretty heavy hit. Um, people were kind of forced into a situation where they needed to develop some strategies for maintaining their fitness routine outside of their brick and mortar gym, whether they wanted to or not. Yeah. And then with that, the longer that time passed, the it worked for some people and then for other people they're like oh I absolutely have to be you know in the space right. with others and um, so I think it it kick-started my needing to adopt the idea that I need to be a little bit more flexible and open to changing my plans and that started you know at the beginning of March when there were shades of are we gonna have to close the studio okay 
well, we've been thinking it's a great idea to have an online platform for years. Maybe we're going to have to figure out how to do that. And same yeah. thing. So all of this kind of started with like, I don't really want to be uncomfortable. I don't really want to change. And then it's like, well, do you want to stay in business and continue to serve your customers <laughs> the best way possible? Yeah, you, yes. you do. Yeah, so you, you have, have to. to. And start asking a lot of questions. And, you know, I, we adore Bar and Cycle. We've always been Bar and Cycle. I will die coming down saying it's one of like the best things you can do for your body from a, you know, low impact and high benefit standpoint. And as I get older and as my community is aging and as women are, you know, free, and uh, premenopausal and menopausal and postmenopausal, there's other things that I'm experiencing in my own body that are different than when I was in my yeah. 30s. So maybe we need to explore strength training, which I have a tremendous background in, but I never built it into my business. I started talking about it and personally training some of my students. And I'm like, why am I, <laughs> why am I doing this on the side? Why don't we just make right. it part of what our offering? And so it's, I'd like to think that I had a master plan of exactly how this was going to go the moment we opened those doors eight years ago. But in fact, it's just an adventure of discovering what's going to be best for the people around me and for myself. And then we, we kind of go for it with a strong team, a willingness to learn that maybe we didn't have it right the first time. We're always willing to adjust and see if we can get it right. The ability to pivot, right? I mean, you pivoted, you used creativity. And I think those are the, those are the companies and the franchises Small businesses, they're the ones that really um, have excelled, have stayed relevant, you know, post-COVID. I mean, during COVID and post-COVID. So, so I, I really I really applaud you for that. You know, one of the things I was thinking about when you were talking about, you know, the whole even um, that you were drawn to the, the franchising. And, and we all know franchising is just, is just, it's a great way, it's a great way to go, you know, for, for, for many people. And a lot of our listeners are, are actually, you know, are looking in that. They're looking to yeah. that. So as you take a look at your journey, what surprised you the most about even as you were taking a look at franchises, even in the due diligence process? I mean, what's anything that surprised you the most? You know, like a lot of franchisees, I think I probably went in knowing less than I should have going in, right? Being, um, and thankfully, like my background in sales and marketing and like that business acumen that came with just me have, you know, I was a business major. So I had a little bit more comfort in those areas. Um, and like a lot of franchises, I became very close to some other of other franchisees just through friendship. That was probably the greatest asset for me and my franchise experience was these relationships that I developed with others. And then sometimes we were able to come together and say like, well, I'm not very good in this area, but you are. So let's like, we've had several weekends where I would meet up with a few franchisees and I would you know, kind of say like, let's map out our automation emails this way. And then somebody else will say, here's all my new ideas for innovation in terms of class content. Um, so it's sort of that collaborative effort. But the surprising thing was a lot of franchisees don't come in with the same strength. And I think a lot of franchisees come looking for a franchise to have all of the answers for everything they don't know. Yeah. And sometimes that's true and sometimes that not that is not true. So I loved physical fitness, I felt confident in my ability to build and develop that, but it wasn't what lit my heart on fire, right? I want, and I felt so good about what I had been taught and what I was being told to teach and how to teach it and how to understand the body better, that to me, the value really came in them teaching me about that and then make me feel more confident. You know, I had a bit of imposter syndrome in, in that area, and so it was really lovely to be taught by experts in the field that really were capable of coaching me on becoming a better teacher and 
doing it safely in yeah. a way yeah. that was productive for everybody. So are those some of the things that the franchisor provided to you? My franchise specifically was very strong in product content when I started okay. and it attracted me to them, yes. Okay. And tell me a little bit about as you, obviously this has opened the door for you for something much bigger and more what you're looking for. But is there anything, you know, looking back that you would say you're most thankful for in having the franchise system? I think the ability to have a, to me, it feels like you have a little bit of a life jacket on. Right. So you open that the doors of that business. And even if they don't know what's going on, that's going wrong, at least you have somewhere to go to. Right. There's other people, even if it's not the franchise that had the answers, it was the other women in the community that were doing the same thing. Are Mm -hmm. you seeing this? Yes, I am. Which, you know, sometimes is it's productive and it cannot be right during during the pandemic. Sometimes we would have these calls with everybody. and It's like, well, just so you know, it's not just you that's, you know, (laughs) <laughs> suffering wildly and you're like well right. that's not great like I'm hoping someone's you know out of stop the bleeding right so <laughs> in some ways commiserate, commiserating is not productive but just just having that a, a perceived support system or an actual support system I think that's where the franchise comes in because as a collective it's to me it's always better if you're not alone yeah. in something Absolutely. I always look at it as group therapy, right? <laughs> I agree. I agree. And, it, and it's like this community where you're, right, where you're, you mentioned you're kind of commiserating, but you're also sharing ideas. And just by talking it through, you're right, Kristen, it's, it is group therapy. <laughs> yeah. We're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, we'll talk to Christina Vance more about her adventures and going from a franchisor to an entrepreneur and what she thought about the entire process. We'll be right back after this. Hey, franchise owners, how is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence will get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a Y. And welcome back. We are talking with Christina Vance with Rise Collective Wellness and her journey in and through franchising. Welcome back. Thank you again, Christina, for joining us. We want to talk a little bit now. You've been through kind of the the full cycle and your husband works for franchisors, so I can just imagine the kind of discussions that happen at home in terms of the overall franchising. But I'd like to talk a little bit about what you feel are some of the most important things when you're looking to buy a franchise in terms of doing due diligence? Yeah, it's a great question that I wish I had, you know, thought through when I was doing it. I think really coming down to why, why do you want this? Why are you doing this? 
which mm-hmm. sounds like such a basic question, but I think a lot of people, I, are, I have a, a girlfriend that's right now, you know, deciding whether or not to move forward and, and truly and not in a critical way, her answer is, I don't know, it just kind of sounds cool. And it's like, okay, let's, let's figure out more about yeah. that, right? So yeah. um, are you doing this for work-life balance? Are you doing this for money? Are you doing this because you're passionate about the product, the product or the project or it, what's your why? Yeah. And then once, and then what is the thing that you think the franchise is going to provide you with to support that mission? Yeah. You can't align those two, right? So for me, like I wanted product, right? I felt like we probably could figure out how to run the business, although I would have loved some coaching there. I also knew that that wasn't the strength of the franchise that I was aligning with. However, if it were the opposite, right? If I were tremendously passionate about product development at that stage of my life in the same way that I am now, and I had almost no knowledge regarding marketing or sales or systems or even any of the technology part of running a business, I would have needed to ask a lot of questions to understand, do I need to hire someone to assist? Are you capable of helping me do this? So just trying to understand where are your strengths, where are your deficits, and does this franchise have the ability to support you where you need the support? Yeah, I think that's so important. So where did you go to find that information, or did did you not find it? With, uh, with I'm sorry. When you were looking at this particular franchise, where did you go to find that information? Well, so I think I was lucky because I was working for another franchisee as a teacher at the time. So I had exposure to the brand. I had comfort with the brand. I was given visibility into, I feel like I walked in with my eyes wide open in a really positive way. As you know, sometimes um, groups of franchisees can almost have a bit of like a, it can go negative a little bit sometimes. And I think I think that's unfair. I, I truly do think that's unfair. That's been the lens that I've been seeing it through, you know, for the last several years. And as you said, you know, I'm, um, I'm married to somebody who works on the other side and that's been a really awesome opportunity to see, we're both running businesses, right? But we're, the you know, I'm the customer as a franchisee. Um, and so I was fortunate in that I had visibility into like the good and the ugly. It wasn't just the sales side of the arm that I knew about. I knew, right. Some of the things that were going to be challenging and I, and that was good. It still made yeah. the decision to do it, which is wonderful. So it just depends on the franchise. I mean, if I'm a franchisor, to be honest, am I going to put you with my most disgruntled franchisee? Probably not, right? <laughs> right. right. But it would not be a bad idea to have the opportunity to speak with several franchisees when you're making that decision. Yeah. You can make an informed decision. Um, there's a lot of value that comes from franchisors. I mean, there's a tremendous, and I think, I think oftentimes what happens with small business owners begin as a franchise learn a lot and then get a little arrogant in that now that you're of no value to me. Right. right? That's- oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You, you see yeah. it, don't you? And, and the ones, the franchisees that um, learn how to have that, um, see where the franchise is coming from. And, and even the franchise existence that where they both see they need each other because they really do. Absolutely. And, and when there's a connection there that you think that's when it works the best, when I think it's 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 when it starts when the balance starts going one way or another, that's where it can get a little kind of yeah. where you get some of the conflict. Yeah, yep. I think I mean a truly symbiotic relationship is ideal when yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
I want to give our um, guests the phone number to call in because I know this is a really interesting conversation. Christina, you got an, a, an experience that's different than just about everybody else that we've interviewed so far. Um, so that number to call in with your questions in, or you can always go into chat, is 323-580-5755. Again, 323-580-5755. So, Christina, you know, obviously when you're validating and you're doing your due diligence, the FCD is a big scary document. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us how much time you wound up spending on that big ugly thing? Well, mine wasn't enormous, but um, we did we we did decide to hire a lawyer to help us review okay. it and feel equipped to and and just again, like anything, the franchisor is developing documentation that supports their side of the business, right? Yes. The, the agreement between franchisor and franchisee is designed to protect the franchisor mm -hmm. as they should, as they should. So just doing your due diligence on your side to truly understand what you are agreeing to and make sure yes. that you are comfortable with those terms. Um, and if you're not, some franchisees will adjust and some won't. And that's, yes. and again, that's just going in, it's like a marriage. Like learn what you need to know. You're getting you're getting into this relationship together that has, you know, legal binding terms. Yeah. You want to feel yeah. really good about the the contract you're entering into. Absolutely, I think that's very well put. And and you know, you're in it usually for a ten year stint. Some of these are twenty years, and so you should never tread lightly. No, absolutely not. And it and if you know more about what you're looking at, it's, it's there's far less chance for conflict down the road, right? So if you haven't read what they sent you and then you run into a situation in three years and you're like, well, I didn't know that you could, yeah. you know, I think you would sell somebody a franchise four miles down the road that's going to actively compete with me. It's like, well, did you put, you know, did you put anything in your agreement that gave you preferred refusal? Or did you put anything in your agreement that really defined your territory? Right. And if you didn't, right, you know, this is sort of a, it's, we need to do our due diligence and know the relationship that we're in and the rules surrounding it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a key thing for, because you said you knew, you knew a little bit about the business. And so, yeah. so did, did, did you kind of go in with, with eyes wide open? I do, I do feel like I did. I do feel like yeah. I did. Um, and I had had, you know, a front row seat to some, conflict right in the market that I was teaching in surrounding some of those things so I was very protective of my territory very protective of you know first right of refusal and what does that look like what are these timelines like for me that was the most important thing at the time um I think maybe with a little bit of delusion <laughs> I was thinking I'll probably own like five of these in the next few years um <laughs> before I really knew what it was going to take for me to, you know, be successful with the, with the one location. But again, with, with this vision for myself, protecting what I, what I thought we were moving towards was important. Yeah. Well, and I think that's important because everybody comes in, you know, you go back to your why, right? I mean, that was that's one of the first things that I asked people is, hey, can you help me? I'm like, okay, well, why do you want to do it? You know, what are you, what is it that you think it's going to provide to you that your current situation isn't providing to you and and really trying to determine easy to think that you're going to buy 
a plug-and-play business or a business in a box or a, a semi-full absentee business. But the reality is it's not really realistic. I hope that exists. And if you find it, I will buy five. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and the scary piece is, is I think people will talk about that, like I'm looking for that, or even on the other side, oh, this is plug-and-play. Yeah. And it's and it's not or when someone's like, I just want to be this absentee owner and I just want to earn money and I'll let other people take care of the details. And mm-hmm. that's like, no, that's that's a little scary because again, if, if someone has that, let us know, call in. Because I've never yeah. I've never seen it. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, that's um I, I remember asking a lot of those questions uh during my due diligence process to other mm-hmm. owners. Like I wanted to know like how much are you working? Right. Uh-huh. I want to know how many hours you are putting in. Yeah. The follow-up question I did not ask was what, because I felt uncomfortable, can I see your financials yeah. and how much are you working? Because you can work 20 hours a week for free. That's yeah. cool. Right. But, um, and I don't know that I knew enough to ask those questions, which is it's yeah. shameful that I entered into it really without that thought in mind. But I was trying to figure out if I could widget this business into like a part-time role that could work alongside my part-time job, right? My yeah, career. Yeah. And no, I couldn't do that, right? It yeah. was you. It, my business specifically was not going to run the way that I needed it to run with me involved in the way that I wanted to be involved. Yeah. With, yeah. As a part-time gig, right? So. And maybe someone can do it, or maybe it's kicking off enough revenue where you can truly employ someone at a high enough salary where they can do that. But I would even yeah. say you probably need to get inside of it and understand if, what they need to be doing before you put that in place. That's not, that's not straight out the gate. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's easy to say you'll just go ahead and hire someone. And that's unfortunately a lot of the models out there that are semi-absentee, they say, well, you're going you're gonna to hire a manager right away. But if your answer is to send this person off to training and you don't go and take it seriously and you don't work the business for a while so that when something goes awry, when your financials aren't working out, you really have to understand where to look. You need to look at your KPIs and understand what are the drivers that I need to push right now to project my business in the right direction because money flies when you're not paying attention and you have no idea sometimes where it's going and you can be ripped off super easily if you just put somebody else in charge. Or what if they leave? That's right. going to say that well, that's more than likely to happen, right? Yeah, yeah, or they're like, sure. okay, I'm gone. And then yeah. and then the owner is like, well, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Well, and this simple idea that people hiring the right people is so the simple is just, nice. in my experience anyway, I mean, oh, painful. We have, hiring is difficult, right? The employee side of business ownership is incredibly challenging. Um, we have been so fortunate and that over time we have just really built an incredible team but not with that's not easy right it takes a long time it takes a lot of luck I always say you know we've never had a whole lot of luck with some you know mass hiring platforms but my studio manager came from just you know an ad out in Indeed and she's like the best thing that's ever happened to me aside from my kids and my (laughs) yeah um because without her it just my 
my life would be so much more complicated. And so good people are very difficult to find and important to retain. I think that's a really good point. That's Karen's cup of tea all the way. It right? is. Oh. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and you're right. It's more perfect. They're just like, oh, just hire these people. And like, no, you don't understand. Because also, I would think in your type of business that you, you are a people business. So you've got to make sure you have the right people and, and the right jobs. Because if not, I can see where someone then, because it's not a commodity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it isn't. Yeah, it's very, it's very important. And a little bit, you know, that's what's cool about it a little bit, too, is, you know, we have a pretty... Um, good sized teaching team for a business of our size and not everyone's the same Uh, but that's great because not everyone's attracted to the way that I do things but all of our staff is warm and welcoming and kind and gracious when it comes in the door like that's a non-starter so there's a there's a uniform level there but then there's different personalities make up kind of a little bit more spice and kind of attract, you know, different people who are attracted to different teachers and all that kind of cool stuff. That's true. I think that's interesting. And, and, you know, I often talk to people who say, well, you know, this is my passion. So I want to own a business that is my passion. And, you know, I know what I tell them, but what would you say to somebody who says, you know, somebody like you or somebody who says, oh, I just, I just love healthy foods, and so I want to open this franchise that does nothing but serve, you know, poke bowls or whatever the case may be. What kind of advice would you give to somebody who's really just chasing a passion? Well, you know, that's what what a lot of small business books are about, where they kind of draw these parallels between why small businesses fail. It's like the passion is important. The product, I mean, the product really, I don't know, maybe this isn't, I'll just say it as an absolute truth and someone can argue with me and that's fine. But I mean, the product is is primary because yeah. with a good product, you have really nothing to, and you know, our product is a service, but still it's our yeah. product, our class content, my nutrition coaching, like the experience that you have in the studio, that's, that's our product. Um, and so to have a good product, sometimes it's important to have passion surrounding it. Sometimes it's not. But without the the understanding of what it's going to take from a financial perspective to allow you to keep pursuing that passion, yeah. you know, you would do it for very long, right? So, and I've had, you know, women, I, it's been so interesting to kind of speak with other women that are in my circle, and I'm actually fortunate enough to be sort of like mentoring one and doing some coaching as she starts to build a business that's completely different than what we do, but that that's that's front and center. And I've also talked to women who are like, well, it's not about the money for me. And it's like, well, that's okay, but it needs to be. Right. You want to keep doing it. And I'm not saying you have to have these astronomical financial goals, but you do need to be able to pay your rent. The lights on, you're probably also going to want to eat sometime. So exactly. (laughs) You don't want to work for free. No. Well, I mean, very few of us are just so financially independent that that isn't a factor. And like, maybe if we had that sort of financial success, I would love to say I'd still run the the studio and I would just let everyone, anyone who wants to come in for free. And wouldn't that be amazing? And <laughs> and I would probably maybe do that. Right. But that's yeah. how we are today. And I think we can do both. It's not, it's yeah. not greedy to be expected to pay for producing something that's valuable to other people. And you can feel good about what you're doing and make a living doing it at the same time. Yeah, I didn't ever dream of um, cleaning houses. Right? Oh. That wasn't my dream. 
and, and so when I worked with a broker or, or consultant and I said, you know, she asked me the same kind of questions that I ask people. And uh, she said, you know, here's three different models. And I mean, they all seemed okay, right? Like nothing was like a bright, shiny package. Nothing had a big ribbon on it that right. made me excited. But when you dig in and you go beyond the label and you look at what does it provide you? What's the quality of life? Like you, I have three kids. As soon as actually I signed my agreement, I got pregnant with my third. And I was like, holy crap. Right. Like, yeah. And so what do you do? And that happens a lot of times where people, you get attracted to this brand, right? Everybody wants a crumble cookie. Well, guess what? It's pretty. It's shiny. It comes with a big, big pink bow. But does it give you the lifestyle you want? Does it provide the financials that you need? And are you good at managing that many people? Yeah. And inventory and it's, and it's a little bakery. It's also, you know, you got to have some marketing and it's a little bit of retail. I mean, it, not everybody is cut for every single business. Yeah. It'll depend. You know, we have the opposite experience, you know, after we opened the studio, which I'm deeply passionate about the product. Um, you know, my husband and I, but my husband was the one that ran it and does such a good job with it. You know, he purchased a different franchise and it was a tree service mm-hmm. and he didn't know anything about trees going <laughs> in, right? But he is, in, you know, he's incredibly financially savvy and he's excellent with people. And so over that time, he became an arborist. He learned about trees and more importantly, he's an excellent manager of people and was able to cultivate just a whole new culture in the company and really that's what drove his success, in my opinion, was that he stepped into it running a business that was people-centered around the team and then felt great about providing an excellent product service uh, to the people who were hiring them. So again, I, it never really light bulbed with us until we were sitting with another couple talking about this, is that we've gone through our whole marriage. You know, what business does he want to, to, to buy? Yeah. Or what does he want to do? We couldn't, well, what do you love? What do you want to do? And, you know, one of his best friends now said, well, I don't really care what it is. I just want to buy a business that I can, you know, kind of change the profit margins on, Uh develop and either keep or sell. I don't care what the business does. And I think we were both like, oh, my goodness. That's what you want. That's what we should do. We should just find buy it and then learn about it then. So we did the opposite there. And he he did a great job with that. Yeah. That's right. That's right. It's so important to to make sure that because you know, and Kristen, you were saying like there's three different business models. That's why you know, for people that are really looking at franchising, there's there's so much out there. There's so much available. It's making sure that you tap into people that have knowledge of it that can steer you. Because you, as you mentioned, Christina, there are different ways of looking at it, mm-hmm. and to kind of take a look at all of that before you make a purchase. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's. And it's still, you know, I think franchising is great. I mean, I'm in my second term. I can't believe just a couple of years will be 20 years. Wow. The one thing, and and I still talk to the gal who helped me choose this model, and it's because in the process, you form a relationship with somebody who's presenting to you, right? And, And the thing that she picked up with me that I didn't see was that all of the employees I had managed, all of the HR experience I had, all of when I interviewed with her basically as a consultant, she she picked up on the fact that, oh, you're good with people. So for her, without this um, filter on saying, don't clean 
houses, right? She's like, okay, so what's a people-centered business? What kind of business do you need to go in where it's about employee retention and culture? And that's how she helped me choose a brand rather than the pink shiny box, right? Yeah. So, and I'm sure hopefully those are some of the conversations that you and your friends have too, because it may be the most unlikely model she's never heard it before maybe it's totally not something she ever thought she would do but it's the one that uses her true skill set to be successful and to make others successful right absolutely yeah so well i do have to give a shout out to your husband because um he is one of our uh business coaches for molly made and he does an amazing job and i was very excited when they hired him because he actually came in with franchise e experience he understands what it takes to grow a business that's how we started chatting about you and your adventure. And I said, oh, my gosh, finally, we have somebody that really gets it. And, um, you know, I think you're very, both of you are very lucky to have each other. And I can't wait to see where it is that your wellness center goes next. Um, I could paint all kinds of visions already that you probably already have done. How do we do, you know, bars and shapes and all this other stuff? But um, I think that you are on a great track, and I'm really excited to follow up with you in a couple of years to see where you're at. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Yeah, I loved it. Any last thoughts for those that are listening who want to or are thinking about buying a franchise? I think if it's sort of in your heart that you're interested in being entrepreneurial and beginning a business, it deserves attention. Um, and if, if you're considering it, I, I always encourage people to go for it, but just don't leap before you make sure your parachute's attached to your back. Absolutely. Good call. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much, Christina. And where can people get, in a hold, get a hold of you if they'd like to chat about your experience? Yeah, they can reach uh, me on my website, uh, risecollectivewellness.com. They can email me at christina at risecollectivewellness.com. Obviously, they're in my local area. We'd love them to come in, but we do have a virtual platform, and I do online nutrition consulting um, through the power of the Internet like we're doing today. So, <laughs> Thank you so much, Christine. It's, it's a pleasure you guys. to you. I'm going to be calling you about that nutrition consulting. That sounds great. I'll do my best. I know. Could you just move to Chicago, Karen, and yeah. I'll be your first two clients. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Thank you so much. And we'll be right back after this. 50 graduates resulting in seven new franchisees owning eight franchise brands, more than a dozen skilled graduates who are employees of franchise companies, all of them having earned a concentration in franchising exclusively granted by the Titus Center at Palm Beach Atlantic University, plus more than 80 franchise professionals on our advisory board, the Titus Center for Franchising is on fire in West Palm Beach, Florida. What do you need to join us? My students want to hear from you. They may even want to buy your franchise or work for your company. Titus Center. And I want to thank you all for joining us today on another episode of Pillars of Franchising. A special thank you to, to Christina uh, Vance for taking time out of her very busy day and away from her wellness center to speak with us. Um, a lot of great things learned in her interview today. I'd like to thank our Million Dollar Mentors, Jerry Akers, uh, Karen Kimsey Sward, and Ray Pillar for their continued support and commitment to the show. Not to forget Laura Liss, our franchise lawyer on, on our team. And last but not least, Fred McMurray, our producer. I am Kristen Shelmessy, your fourth million dollar mentor here at the Pillars of Franchising. We hope you'll join us again next time. 
next Thursday, 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, the dream starts here. Have a great day. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.